You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This is Megan. And this is Mickey. Hi, everybody. We have got um, a really informative episode for you guys tonight. It's something that I was really excited to learn about and talk about, and I hope it answers a lot of questions and kind of offers you guys some insight during these difficult times. Yeah, we're talking about finances, and that is, I mean, that can be such like a, finances, (laughs) like dreaded topic, Um, but our guest for this episode just, I mean, she's a mom herself and a businesswoman, and she's done it all, Um, stay-at-home mom, corporate, has her own business, so it just kind of puts a realistic spin on it that you guys have probably never heard before. So we're really excited. Um, But before we get into it, let's kick our episode off as usual with our highs and lows. All right. So let's see. My high this week um, just happened today. I'm really, I'm just rolling with the like enjoying the little simple things in life. I love that kids have brought that out in me so much. Um, Today we introduced the kids to floats root beer floats and then piper and i I had orange soda because we don't like root beer but um but we've been like hyping it up for a few days too like all right we have this special thing we're gonna do blah 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 it's icy and they don't drink like we don't have soda in the house very often and they don't drink it very often so it's like double exciting because ice cream and soda mixed together but um but just so Mike like scooped the ice cream put him in the glasses today and then was pouring the soda just watching the kids pure excitement and just like mind blown by combining the two things was freaking adorable and then little Michael like Mike you would pour the root beer in and it like fo- it was like super foamy you know with the ice cream and it like go up to the top and like about to overflow Michael's like oh oh my gosh oh my gosh like just giddy it was adorable and so we definitely shared a few parent looks or like, Oh my God, this is the cutest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like it was so cute and just so wholesome to see them so excited over something so simple. And just those mm-hmm. little things on these like long ass summer days are what make it, I mean, get you through the day. Mm-hmm. These little adventures, little simple things that keep it exciting. And it's not like hard or costs a lot of money or a lot of effort or anything. So yeah. It was cute. It was really cute. I, I wish I would have filmed it. I wasn't expecting it. Like, I just <laughs> didn't think that they'd be that excited about it. But just, like, giddy, shaking, giggling. It was so cute. Oh, now I want a root beer float. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And it was really good, too. I'm like, oh, I haven't had, like, a creamsicle float or whatever that would be in, yeah. like, years. So yeah. it was good. Refreshing. Um, let's see. My low also happened today. So... Um, I've just, um, we've talked a little bit on here about our like anxiety issues. I've been having like just a lot of weird stuff going on with my body. Um, so I've been getting this weird, like, um, floaty stuff in my vision lately. Like, Mm. okay. So everybody listen, (laughs) like, listen, listeners, if you like squint your eyes a little bit and you can kind of like see your eyelashes in your like peripheral vision, you know, how Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like gray, like gray fluttery. I'm getting that in my vision, but like across my vision every once in a while, just out of the blue. So, so I mentioned it to my husband because I always am talking about everything. And he's like, oh, that's weird because when he went to the eye doctor, they mentioned that he could have a hole in his retina. And they're like, watch out, for, watch out for floaters in your vision. So it's something we've been really worried about with him. So keeping track of But he's like, that's kind of, yeah, you should probably get that checked out. And so for him to actually, like, agree with me on something, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. So I made an eye appointment yesterday online. And so I got to go in today. So um, they checked my eyes, like, really thoroughly because he was kind of concerned. I, like failed my peripheral vision test on one eye real bad but I think it's because my mask you have to wear masks Mm. the whole time it like fogged up the thing I could barely see and I'm like panicking and sweating and like oh my god I can't (laughs) anything I can't see the dot I'm supposed to look at I don't know what's going on so he made me retake that and I passed and he felt a lot better about it but um my eyes look good 
the the part that's a downer which it's not even that bad except it is in my brain and i know megan you're gonna understand this with me he's like yeah so your vision looks fine your eyes look great and healthy just keep an eye on it and if um, it keeps happening or gets worse then we need to refer you to get like a ct or an mri because like the um, nerves in your eyes go back to your brain and if your eyes are healthy then it's it would be a brain issue oh my god he's like yeah it's kind of a big jump from eyes to brains i know so just like keep you know keep an eye on it try to like focus in on it and really pay attention like when it's happening and if it's one eye or both or what he's like it's probably not a brain tumor because then your peripheral vision would be shot because it would put pressure on your optical nerve and i'm just like he's like that's why i had you retake that peripheral vision test and i'm just like oh my god what so yeah so just the fact that, I mean, just the fact he said it's not a brain tumor. Now I'm convinced I have a brain tumor and I was super paranoid about just everything. don't right? know why they say stuff like that. It's like they don't, like, most doctors don't think, like, we watch Grey's Anatomy. When you say it's probably not a brain tumor, I'm going to go home and know that I have a brain oh. tumor. Yeah, and I so I've been watching Grey's Anatomy all the time. So I was like talking to Mikey and like kind of joking, but obviously also very serious about like checking my back. Any weird lump I have, I was like, you don't know if it's skin cancer and it could be in my brain. Like Izzy, she didn't know she had it until she was like about to die. And he's like, you watch way too much TV, but well, you true. only catch these things if you're really paying attention. I, w- I don't want to wait until I'm hallucinating my dead boyfriend or whatever, like her. It's bad. So. I'm going to keep an eye on it, and hopefully I'm fine. But also, part of me is kind of like, I kind of want to get an MRI, because what if something's in my brain? What if it's not that tumor? What if there's something else? Like, I feel like if you could voluntarily go in and get a full body scan of everything, like, once every few years, I'd totally do it. Just make sure that everything's okay and send me home, and then I could sleep at night. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Just a a and so nothing's wrong and i'm fine it's just my overactive imagination and paranoia kicking in so i'm pretty sure that the that floaters are also an an anxiety symptom though like that makes sense yeah i I mean i haven't googled it yet so i mean i don't know what i'm dealing with here i'll google it for you because it's probably better if you don't because (laughs) chances are you're gonna google it and it's gonna say brain tumor yeah megan's gonna text me tonight r.i.p it's been nice knowing you (laughs) You're pretty much dead. No. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'll Google it for you. But I'm pretty sure I've heard that before. That that can be. Or, like, um, have you been eating a lot of sugar? I know for sure that's, like, a sugar thing. I don't know. There's all oh. sorts of things that can cause floaters. Yeah. Who knows? Well, but yeah. it's probably least likely a brain tumor. So Yeah, so that's good. I got that going for me. <laughs> All right, let's hear your high. I need a high. Okay, okay. I'm like, how do I even move on from that? Like, are you okay? I'm fine. Moving on. Okay. Well, my high is that I got a new stroller. Um, It is a Bob running stroller, which I'm so excited about. It's like night and day. It's so much lighter than my other. My other stroller was also a jogging stroller, but it was like just not ideal now that I know how nice it could have been for all this time so this yeah Bob stroller I feel like legit now it's such a smooth ride Nora loves it my low is the reason why I got a new stroller so (laughs) here we go (laughs) buckle in everyone (laughs) back to that dang anxiety so you guys know I've been struggling with it um last week Nora and I went to stroller strides, which has been a really anxious place for me to be because we're outside and we're around people, which we're not used to. Um, But we're trying. So we were at class and it was near the end of class. And oh, P.S. If I haven't told you, my anxiety apparently manifests itself as pure rage. So that's happening. So (laughs) we're (laughs) in class near the end and Nora starts having a complete nightmare temper tantrum like one of those hand me this oh my god how could you how dare you hand this to me take it away but no give it back right now one of those things Mm -hmm. and I was just already so anxious and of course it was happening while we were we're doing like this plank challenge and so it was like everybody was holding their plank and it was like 
you know, 45 seconds in and I was struggling. I know everybody else was struggling and she's just screaming. And so I was like, forget this. Like we're leaving. So I just like dramatically pack up all of our stuff, like (laughs) super embarrassing looking back at it, but whatever. So I'm like throwing the yoga mat in the bottom of the stroller and packing everything up and we leave class and I'm walking to the car and she's screaming and I start crying. She's like, mama crying I was like yeah I'm crying because we had to leave class and I don't know what you want right now and so (laughs) so embarrassing I calmly get her in the car and she's like still screaming and I'm like okay I just can't you know I just can't react I'm gonna let her kind of have her moment and I decide to take all that rage out on my stroller in the parking lot with people all around that at that moment were not there because I was just in a fit of rage on that stroller because it was not folding up. So I'm flinging it, trying to get it to fold up. I think I kicked it at one point. Honestly, I don't even know. And then I just threw it into the car, like threw it into the car. Nora was completely safe. She was buckled into her car seat. She was nowhere near where I threw the stroller. Just disclaimer there. I made sure she was safe first. I slam the back door. I go sit in the front seat and I like take a couple deep breaths. And I go back there to Nora and like put my forehead on her forehead. And we have this little thing we do like, okay, what do we do when we're frustrated? And we both just sat there and cried and like took deep breaths. Aww, it was really aww, cute and everything was cute. fine. You know, it was fine. So then I drive, I get home and the next day I go to get the stroller out to go for a run. And the damn stroller is completely busted. Like the part where it folds up and down no longer folds up and down it's a part that was not replaceable it was the actual Uh, frame of the stroller oh dang completely just busted so that was a huge eye-opener for me and I realized that I need to get my anxiety under control because I had to buy a new stroller so yeah yeah yeah. that sucks but luckily it was an upgrade so I know I I know (laughs) my husband's like Oh, well, if you really wanted a new stroller, like you could have just said something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Oh, mommy had to break your stroller so she could get this better one. I'm like, Too soon. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm glad it's an upgrade too because running's so important to you. Like, that's, isn't that, that's tough when you're like, What have I been living without for mm-hmm. so long? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Even just walking with it. I mean, it's, it's a dream and it's, it was really cool because uh, Kim, she's the leader of the Fit for Mom here. She actually bought it from someone on Facebook like in March because she's like, oh, somebody's going to need this eventually. And so, hello, I'm somebody and I needed it. And so it, I got it for a great price and it's just like in great condition. And it's amazing. So, yeah. Good. Well, congratulations. So that's that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess we're ready to dive in on this um, episode that we've really hyped up because we were so excited about it with you guys. We'll tell you a little bit about our guest. Her name is Janice Scholl. Um, she spent her entire career talking about money and business. Through her time as a commercial banker, consultant, and mentor to budding entrepreneurs, she helped clients create solid business and financial strategies to help propel their business to success. While working with aspiring female entrepreneurs, Janice noticed that the same four themes kept repeating. Many women are uncomfortable with finance, both in their business and in their personal life. Women want access to more women mentors and advisors women often start businesses because they feel the corporate world doesn't fit their lifestyle. Few are motivated by purely financial reasons. And also, mothers don't want money to drive their family decisions. So from these themes, the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast was born. Now Janice spends her time helping mothers gain confidence and understanding about money, career, and business topics as they relate to motherhood and family, the way many women actually think about money. Janice loves helping mothers implement business and financial strategies within their families to help each family member thrive. We're so excited to have her on here tonight to talk with us about these themes and teach us a little bit. And let's welcome Janice to the show. Hi, Janice. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. 
We're we so, are so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you on. Um, I'm, I know that I'm going to learn a lot. I have so many questions I wrote down to talk to you about. So thank you for coming on. And um, I'm sure we're all going to learn a lot. So we just, um, why don't you go ahead and start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Janice Scholl, and I'm the host of the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast. We recently launched, and this is kind of the culmination of the work that I've been doing for years, which is money, career, and business coaching for women. So my background is in banking, and I just found that it was really important to be the source of really great financial information and support for women because there aren't so many of us out there. On a personal side, I have two kids and a husband. We live in Tennessee. Uh, we've bounced around a bit in our family's little experience. Uh, we lived overseas for five years, and we've just been back to the States for a couple of years now. Awesome. Tennessee, how is how is everything going there? Well, at the moment, it's hot. Yeah. It is. Yep, yep. We, you know, we're making some not-so-awesome headlines in the COVID days, but, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, we're managing through it, and our cases are still not terrible, but we have been accelerating lately, so as a state, we're just trying to manage all that stuff. Yep, same here in Washington, so we're yeah. all just doing the best we can. It was, um, speaking of hot, it was about 90 degrees here today, which is like just so much for us. We're not used to that here. I bet that's not too bad where you're at. No, 90 is not bad. With the heat index lately, it's been about 100. And so that's hot. That yeah. is uncomfortable. But Washington, I think a lot of people don't even have air conditioning, right? It's not as no. common. Yep. So that makes it more difficult because here you don't like we can't live without air conditioning here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's the difference for sure. Well, we're so excited to talk to you about this topic. I think it's going to be, you know, as Mickey said, really helpful for us and all of our listeners. So we'll just kind of dive in and start asking you some questions. Um, I think the first question to kind of get this kicked off is how to make decisions and run your household during times of uncertainty. That's probably kind of a burning question for all of us right now. Yeah, well, it's definitely a burning question in our household right now because we've been presented with a couple of different options for schooling for our kids. And, you know, that I think is such an important topic. And it is a financial topic because so many women are affected by how they're going to work this school year. And I feel like we've been running a sprint thinking like if we can just make it to the next year for school, everything's gonna be okay. And now we're here where we're at, we're less than three weeks away and we're like, ooh, wait a minute, this isn't a sprint, this is a marathon. And now mm -hmm. I really gotta get comfortable with, with what's coming and figure out, you know, make decisions for our family that makes sense. So. When I work with people who are trying to make decisions in times of extreme uncertainty, we say, what if so much? And we wonder, we're women and we think about the impact of everything on our family. We think about it personally. We think about our community. It's really easy to get caught up on what if, what if, and then there's no answer at the end of that. So what I work with my clients to do and what I do in my own personal life is I change that from what if to what then. And I do that by using something that is known in risk management and in project management circles as a probability impact matrix. So we focus so much on what if, right? And sometimes the what if is like, well, what if school gets called off because there are cases in the school and they have to go home? That's that's a viable what if. But then there's also what ifs when we start that what if tornado that aren't as realistic, but we just can't stop ourselves, right? And that's not productive. We're not coming up with strategies to deal with the possibilities and we're not we're not addressing the risks that are real in front of us that we need to be that we need to be dealing with. And humans actually have an optimism bias. We think things are going to turn out okay for us. We know that things happen to everyone else, but it makes us underprepare sometimes. So what I like to do is help people prepare so they don't have to panic. Mm -hmm. Because if we're prepared, then we don't panic. So 
what a probability matrix does is it helps people break apart the piece of what is the likelihood of this actually happening? And then what is the impact of this event if it happens? So you look at it separately because we have this idea of, well, this thing might happen, but until we say, okay, this is important enough that even if it is unlikely, I need to prepare because the impact is huge, or it might be, well, the impact isn't that bad, but the probability is high. And in that case, you still need to prepare, but you probably prepare differently for each. Mm-hmm. So when when we're talking about school, for instance, we know that there is a high probability that there may be some intermittent breaks, right? That kids may be remote learning for some period of time, depending on all of our locations, that's different for each family because each state is in a different position. But mm-hmm. Understanding your work circumstances, how much flexibility you have in your work will help you understand what your impact will be when you have that unexpected timeline. We were caught off guard in March. I don't want everyone to be caught off guard during the school year. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's such a good way to look at things because I mean, I personally kind of live in a mindset of something bad is always going to happen because I'm, I run my own business. Right. And so I have to be really careful. I'm a real estate agent. So, you know, I don't get paid until I close a deal. And so for me personally, I like to have a certain chunk of money set aside. I just call it like my reserve funds. I'm sure there's a better way to be doing it, but this is kind of what I like to do for myself. And you know, we just sit there and I'm like so hesitant to touch these reserve funds from where I pay myself because I'm terrified that the worst is going to happen. Well, now it did. And, you know, I'm thankful that I had that. But I mean, that's such a, I I mean, I'm not ever going to move ahead that way because I'm almost scared of the worst to even touch my money, you know? Yes. And mindset is so much of money. Mm-hmm. You know, we it's the math part of money is not the most difficult part. The mindset is and understanding what your barriers are, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, spending without realizing that it's a reaction to some kind of catalyst in your life, or if it's a scarcity mindset, like it sounds like you're experiencing where you're really concerned about the possibility of something going wrong, sometimes breaking down and saying, okay, well, it's possible, but is it probable? And right. if if it happens, what then? What does that mean? Because a lot of times we do say, well, I'm really scared this is going to happen, but is it really that bad if it does happen? And sometimes when we have a scarcity mindset, we can stop and say, actually, the impact is not that huge for this one thing, but something else may be a big thing. And, and you know, so for business owners, I find that it's sometimes cautious actions. But for individuals who work as employees, now is a time if you are working, if you are employed and still making the same amount as you were a few months ago, it's still the time to say, hey, how stable is my income? How likely is it going to continue? Because we are going to be in an economic recession for an extended period of time. There will continue to be hardship for many families. And, you know, thinking through, are we a one income family or are we a two income family? What will happen if we lose one income? Do we have any other sources of income? And planning out, okay, if that happens, what then? What am I going to do to be able to support my family? Do I have the reserve saved up? And some people do, but this caught many people off guard. And so the next step might be, okay, well, maybe I should take steps now to reduce our expenses and know what money we really need coming in so that if I have to change jobs, I know how much I need to earn to support my family. Or maybe it's, I need to look for other opportunities right now to be prepared because it is likely that that might happen. Mm -hmm. And to tie it back to the school as well, um, you know, what you're saying with the uncertainty about school, I've been seeing you know, this one specific article floating around on Facebook, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it basically is saying you can either be a working mom or a stay-at-home mom at this point. I mean, so what kind of advice 
I guess, would you have for some of these mamas who are in that exact rock and hard place right now? You know, I think it depends so much on the type of work that you do, because there are some jobs that are inherently inflexible and then some that are more flexible. I think a lot of us, and I know when I was working in the corporate world, was really hesitant to have the direct conversation about the impact of family on my work. But now is a time that I think we do need to have open dialogue with our bosses and with our peers, because there may be ways to do the work outside of a traditional way of doing it that we need to embrace right now. Let's look at remote work, for instance. There are many companies who have come to the realization that remote work is actually a great thing for their workforce. You know, many people thought kind of the old school, we needed to be in the office to be productive, but we're proving right now that remote work can work and be effective. So it may be scary and it it is going to be hard, right? Like there's no doubt if you've got a two-year-old at home and you've got hardcore deadlines, that's a big challenge, right? Mm -hmm. But now is the time to say, hey, I've proven myself that I can work from home. Let me see if we can change the way that I report to you. Maybe we can change our meetings so that I can have more time at certain blocks of the day that you know you have good work work time. Maybe you can extend your work from home longer. There are many different ways that we can look at, you know, splitting the splitting the time with our spouse, working four full days instead of five days. There are ways to do it, but we have to have the conversation to find out what works for our employer and what works for the parent who's trying to manage everything. And, you know, I I just, in in corporate America, it's so often that we talk about our, our skills and we talk about our assets and we talk about what we do good at. It's really uncomfortable to be honest about, hey, this is a challenge that I'm facing right now, but guess what? Every single mother is facing that challenge right now. You're not alone. Speaking up, you're speaking for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it's kind of exciting in a way. I mean, this is just horrible for everyone right now. But I feel like as women, we're so ingrained to show up to work. So whether we have kids or not, they they say like um, work like you don't have kids, but parent like you don't have a job or like work, yep. something like that kind of balancing. So hopefully now, I mean, since there's so many people in this boat, fathers, mothers, everyone, um, we can kind of feel more comfortable speaking up about those those needs to change and adapt a little bit. And I mean, you have to have your, I mean, your family has to be a big priority in that. And it's great to be able to talk to your employer and get some flexibility around that to balance both. Yeah. And one thing I also do is batching of time and I batch everything. I batch how I cook. So, you know, there's the, there's the managing your work and managing your boss and expectations. And then there's managing your household and trying to be as efficient as you possibly can. So I batch food, I batch, you know, household chores, I batch stuff with my kids, but I also batch in kind of a unique way what I focus on. So I give myself a 30 day focus period on whatever it is that's important at that moment. And so, you know, the first month my kids go back to school, whether we don't know at this moment, as I sit here today, if it's going to be in person or if it's going to be remote. But I know that no matter what, it's going to be a huge transition. So that month they go back to school, I'm going to manage my workload as much as I possibly can, because my focus is not going to be having a perfect household. It's not going to be killing it at work, it's going to be getting my kids set up for success. Because if I do that that month, then the next month I can kill it at work. The next month I can focus on something else. I I think that trying to multitask so much and not giving us some grace that something's going to fall by the wayside, that it just makes us feel bad and it's ineffective because then we're worrying about that too. So, you know, if I spend a month where I don't get to spend every minute I want to with my kids because I have to work in the evening or if there's a time where I'm like, man, I got to catch up at work. I'm okay with that as long as I've got those 30 day blocks of time. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think with, um, you know, with this struggle 
you know, these are great tips as far as how managing our time and our expectations. And I think, you know, you briefly touched on the budgeting as far as, you know, managing the finances with these times and trying to juggle work and, you know, the kids may or may not being in school. And so um, we wanted to talk about kind of a little bit budgeting. I mean, that's always such, there's so many different ways to do it. We see so many different like how to's at Pinterest. It's everywhere. Um, I know myself, my husband and I have done a couple different classes on different types of budgeting. Um, and you mentioned a topic of value-based budgeting. And so yes. we were hoping you could talk to us a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So the first thing, if anyone wants to make any kind of change with their financial situation, the first thing they need to do is start tracking their spending. And I don't mean like look at your credit card statement and say, okay, look, I spent this much at Target this much. I mean, really break it down into categories of spending because like Target and Amazon are the two places like I could spend so much money and have no idea where it went, right? Like right. it's the black hole. So so really you need to break it down, not just by the place. You need to break it down by where you're spending your money. And you need to have a conversation with either yourself or your spouse. If you're together, you need to say, hey, what do we value as a family what do we want our kids to learn that we value? And then once you have 30, 60, 90 days of tracking of your spending, you you take a look at what you value and see if it matches where you're spending your time. You know, you've probably heard about people working on this when it comes to social media. Like I say that I want to spend time with my kids, but actually I'm scrolling through Facebook all the time, right? Sometimes that's the case. So we so we think about values from a time perspective, but we often don't think about values from a money perspective. And the way that we spend money is so often on autopilot, we don't realize where it goes. So my goal of values-based budgeting is to A, stop spending without thinking, make it intentional, make it a decision, and then make it strategic. Make it go in the direction of where you want your family to go. So an example of that and in an area that we can't totally embrace at the moment is our family believes in travel. Like I said, we lived overseas for five years. We like to travel a lot. It's a family bonding experience. We think trying new things and is important and we're all lifelong learners. So that's definitely something we focus on. We will spend more money on travel than other families because that's what we value. But we will take a look at an opportunity to buy something else and we'll say no because we'd rather spend it on travel. So, you know, we cut things like we don't have cable, we don't buy furniture, we moved into a new house two years ago, we budget out our furniture purchases instead of just buying everything at once because we still wanna travel even though we found a new home, you know? We look at it that way so that it's not an I want and I'm going to buy this now because I want it. It's a, if I buy this, is it adding value to our family the way that we want it to? Well, that's really good advice. And I like that you tied it in with the social media part too, because it's so, yeah, looking back, we've done this a couple times, looked at on our credit card um, like site, you can, it divides it into like a little pie graph by categories. And we, because you don't even really think about it. I know I'm, I'm horrible at that. I just swipe the card, swipe the card. We looked at that pie chart. We were spending a ridiculous amount of money eating out, which yes. I didn't. I mean, we would go like on the weekends with um, my parents or his parents and out for whatever and whatever. And it just add, it added up to like a small mortgage payment. It was ridiculous. We're like, okay, is this really how we want to be spending our money? We don't even like it's not a necessity. There's other ways that we can spend time with family that's not at a restaurant. Maybe if we go out, like we can share some things if we really want to make it like a special occasion, whatever. But it was really eye opening. So I really, really suggest everybody take a look at that because, yeah, you'll learn some things about yourself for sure. It's <laughs> shocking. You do. You do. Yeah. Like where you spend your money is it tells you something about who you are as a person. Yeah. And it's like. It's kind of scary sometimes. And I'll tell you, we have been tracking our spending 
for years. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising to me how much I still forget, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's still money going out the door where where my husband will look at the credit card statement because I hadn't given him the receipts yet. And he's the tracker because I'll be honest, I am not the most organized. And we do it old school. We literally do it in an Excel spreadsheet Mm -hmm. because it forces us to have dialogue about it. That's the other thing. You talk about the values and then you have dialogue with your significant other. So that way you don't have any money fights when you're having a constant dialogue about it because there's nothing shocking that's happening. But but I'll be like, I spent what? I can't. What did I do? In another area, the second you start tracking your expenses, you'll start to notice are the reoccurring charges and we spend collectively, we as a culture spend so much money on subscriptions and it's so easy to forget. And so that is such a quick and easy place to say, hey, wait a minute, am I really using the Audible subscription? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but like I've been paying for it for six months and there's a queue of books that I'm never going to get to. Why? It may only be 15 bucks a month. But when you add it to all of the other subscriptions and other things that we're paying for, it adds up. Every dollar counts. Mm-hmm. Now, what if your values for your budget are different than your partner's? Yeah. So for anybody who's just starting out with their partner, I think it's something that we should be talking about more mm-hmm. because it's easier if you can deal with it on the front end, right? Like you can be like, wait a minute, you value it different. And I think, and, and my husband and I do value things differently, right? Like we do, I think every couple has differences. Like I said, we know that travel and adventure is something that we value a lot. Um, but there are things that we disagree on and we build enough buffer into our budget so that we both have a little bit of freedom. So the goal, and and I want to say something about budgets because most people, they hear the word budget and they're like, ooh, yucky, <laughs> right? Like it's not <laughs> fun to budget because it feels like, it feels like a restrictor. But mm-hmm. what I want a budget to be is an enabler. And that's how we look at it is it's an enabler to do the things that we want to do long-term. So if if a couple has disagreements about what they value, then, you know, there are going to be a core number of things that you can agree on and then find a way to split the difference and build little savings accounts for Mm -hmm. those special things that each person does value separately because we don't, we don't agree on everything. Um, A sinking fund is basically just a special savings account that you use for a specific purpose. So, you know, I think that's something, and and this is great for stay-at-home moms too, because I find that when stay-at-home moms are not bringing in income and they feel like they can't, they can't do the things that they value that maybe their spouse disagrees with because they're not contributing at that moment. And so I think, you know, or many women, if they if they work part time or if they make less than their spouse, it's important to set up a system so that both people have some control over money to spend on what they value. Hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm like, I should sit down with my husband and have this conversation because I run all the finances and um, I just kind of, you know. I don't even think he's looked at the bank account, to be honest, in like a year or longer. You know, it's just kind of like what I say is how much money we have. And this is, you know, what we're going to do. And like there's room in the budget for him to buy. You know, he does all these hobbies with his truck and, you know, the things like that. And so it's it's just in there. But we haven't really sat down and like pieced it out because I'm really organized. But for some reason, when I actually have a budget, it stresses me out and I feel this is, I mean, I don't know if this is common, but I feel like when I actually have the budget, the money is like, I don't know, it's all accounted for and it seems like there's less. And when I don't have the budget, it seems like I always have money left over. And so it's like something's not adding up here, but I think it's just like the constraints of seeing it all written out on paper or, you know. I- I think it's it's that idea that a budget is a restrictor. So just mm-hmm. putting it down on paper means that you should be making good decisions about every dollar that's on there. You know, how can you be wasteful? You're budgeting. But but the reality is like 
if it's so not fun to budget, then you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to, so, so find, look at your budget and say, okay, well, how do I build in the fun? How do I make this an enabler, something that I want to look at? And if you do have a scarcity mindset, again, sometimes it is like, it's a lot easier to forget about how much you do have to spend on until it's in front of you. Right. So it can be like, I didn't really want to see that. Right. <laughs> Cause it does feel like when you just look at your bank account, you do have more money, but in the long run, if you can, if you can look at your budget on the left and then look at the accumulation of your savings because you budget on your right, it's going to feel different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think having those like fun savings accounts, you know, you don't have to just have the one big savings account, like this is my savings and we'll use it for whatever you use savings for. I love that idea of having like fun accounts because that feels to me, it's like, Oh, I'm putting this money into savings. Like I could just leave it in my checking account and maybe spend it, you know, but it, it feels like another bill almost just putting it into savings account. So if you have a fun thing that it's actually going to, I, I love that. I think that's such a great idea. I've never heard that before. I love it. It works really well for us too, because we are naturally not spenders. Like there are certain things that we will spend no problem on, but there are others where we really have to like force ourselves to spend money on and, you know, budgeting out and planning for it in this saving for it just makes it a lot easier right now. You know, we, we just passed the halfway point for the year. So by the way, moms and you, you have a chance to start saving for Christmas right now. If you like to spend for your kids and it is hard for you each year in January to receive that credit card bill, Start saving 20 bucks a week right now. Sinking funds for holiday spending is a great use of of that way of saving. Uh, So that's another thing that you can look at. And then instead of spending at Christmas time and saying, oh, gee, this is going to this. I don't want to look at that bill. Instead, you're like, I got this. That's awesome. I I really like um, that you brought up the stay at home mom situation, because that's something that I totally relate to. Um, I, I have a little embroidery business on the side, but I'm, I'm not paying bills with it. So I know that I struggle a lot with the fun spending part of things because, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that my husband is working financially to support all of us equally and everything, but I still kind of feel bad like if I want I know want to go spend a significant amount on something just for me that I know that he doesn't get excited about (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's it's definitely an awkward stressful like relationship balance so I like the idea of having a set budget almost like a grown-up allowance kind of situation yeah yeah like if I had my own little fund and I just know okay this is what I can use for my fun stuff whether you want to do it or not he can have his I can have mine I think that would be really helpful in kind of empowering stay-at-home moms to yeah you know since the day we enter preschool we are trained to think about how we're going to make money you know what are we going to be when we grow up and we live that every day of our lives so even when we're stay-at-home parents it's hard for us because and I've done it all I've been a you know a corporate working mom I've been a stay-at-home mom. I'm a business owner. I've done every version in between, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, and it was hard. It, it, but, but setting it up so that you collectively decide, hey, this is how much as a unit we can contribute to you having your break. Uh, having that conversation is so important because I find that for many of us, us moms are harder on ourselves when it comes to allowing fun spending than our spouses would be. And so we need to have that conversation with them. Often they want us to do it if, you know, as as long as it's something that we can do within our budget. But, But it also gives you something to look forward to. If you can't do it that day, you can plan for it. But it's a conversation on an ongoing basis. It's not a I don't ever take care of myself type thing because, you know, part of the self-care discussion, I think often misses that stay at home moms really do have to leave the house a lot of times to be able to indulge in self-care, right? Like 
I can't do it when I have my son there like every two <laughs> minutes, right? Mom, what right. are you doing? Yeah. It, it just somehow takes the relaxing moment out of the bath, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that giving yourself that ability to spend gives you the ability to leave the house. And that's important as well to actually take a break for self-care. Yeah. I think just knowing that money's in there, you know, even if you, like you said, even if you can't do it right now, it's almost like that's going to open up a little part of your brain, like a light at the end of like your exhaustion (laughs) tunnel, you know, like, okay, I know, like I have this set aside, I can go, you know, get my hair done and do the full 200, $300 thing that I want to do without worrying when I have time to do it, you know, it just kind of lingers as like a little prize for you that you can that's <laughs> right we have something to look forward to right like I might be able to tolerate that moment of the fight between my two if <laughs> yeah. I'm like next Friday's my day yeah. Yeah. and I can do whatever I want <laughs> full right. body massage full body massage we'll get through this <laughs> so what um so I mean all of us right now are going through this pandemic situation job losses all of that outside of that because we used to have real lives and we'll get back there hopefully someday what are some other stressful financial situations that families go through and do you have any tips on how to get through those tough patches yeah you know I think a lot of the difficulty comes from comes from spouses not being aligned initially and so it like I said, we have an optimism bias as humans. And we, I feel like talking openly and honestly about the things that might go wrong sometimes keeps us from addressing things when they're happening. So whether we're during COVID times or non-COVID times, the fact is that employment is less stable than what it was for our parents you know, we don't stay at employers for 25 years, maybe two and a half years sometimes is is all it lasts. And job losses are more common. We just fluctuate in different things more often than what we did in the past. So for instance, sometimes I'll hear that a spouse doesn't want to talk to their significant other about the fact that they're afraid that their job is at risk. And what that does is that puts the complete burden of financial stress on that individual. And then they come home and the spouse says, I want to go have a massage. I need a break. You know, maybe, you know, maybe it's the husband and the wife is like, I need a break. And then the, and then the husband snaps and says, no, we can't afford this. And the wife's like, what happened? Right. But the problem was the communication didn't happen up front in the sharing of the burden of stress. So I really believe in the communication and sharing of the burden of stress, because if you if you know what the other person, where they're coming from, then you can create a plan together and it only strengthens your relationship. Um, the other thing, and this is something I've really learned through my podcast and in in some of the people that I've been talking to is that so much of our belief system when it comes to money comes from our childhood. We replay what we have learned from our parents. And it didn't dawn on me until someone said it that, you know, we don't really question what we've been taught about money, our beliefs. We think they are facts until we get married. And then we find out that the other person has a completely set of different set of beliefs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so again, the answer to that is, communication with your spouse to recognize the differences and to question them and not to question them from an accusatory standpoint, because it never works with money, but to say, hey, why do you think this way? And recognizing ourselves that there might be a reason why we have a scarcity mindset. Where did that come from? Or there might be a reason why when we get stressed, we want to go shopping or why we want to overbuy for our kids because we're compensating for something that was in our life in the past. So, you know, there are so many financial stressors, but I feel like the common challenge is to find the right way to communicate with your spouse so that it's not the misinterpretation that you're fighting about. Mm -hmm. I think that's, 
that's so important. I mean, this scenario that you're describing probably suits so many people of the spouse who is or the partner who's working is feeling all of that pressure. And then, you know, the other partner who may not be working or part time or running their own business or what have you, who's making less is feeling pressure to try, you know, to not spend too much or to overcompensate to give back in another way. And, you know, it can just cause tension between both of them. And, you know, without talking about it, it's just going to be a constant, everybody on edge, butting heads and no resolution. So I, that's such a good point. I mean, with anything in relationships in general, once again, communication is the most important mm-hmm. thing. Exactly. And, th- and oh, go ahead. Oh, just, I was going to say with any um, problem, I mean, two heads are better than one, right? So talking about, okay, maybe we need to reel it in a little bit. Like, for example, I'm home all day. I know where we would be able to cut some expenses that my husband might not even think about. Just you might have different um, experiences than your partner does and help each other out by thinking kind of differently. Exactly. And I think, yeah, when you're in it, when you're in that moment, it is sometimes hard to take a step back and look at, okay, well, what what could I do differently? And so, yeah, sharing of ideas absolutely helps. Mm-hmm. That's great. And the other thing I wanted to say is that for for people who do have a spouse who either is earning the income or is the stay-at-home parent, right now everyone feels stuck, I feel like. So whether you're the stay-at-home parent or you're the working parent trying to make this work, if you're the single provider for a family, wherever you're at, we all feel a little bit stuck. But again, going to the values if, if as a family unit, we call it the unit, if the unit has a purpose, then I, if, if one person specializes in the family stuff and the other one specializes in the making money stuff at this moment, this is just to drive the unit forward. This is just to make it through this period of time. It doesn't mean that it's a life sentence. Mm-hmm. It means that, hey, sometimes there's hard work to be done. And right now there is hard work to be done for every family. Yeah, Definitely. Um, before we wrap up the financial kind of part of the show, we want I wanted to just touch on finances and children in general. So, you know, financially preparing for a baby or if you already have children, where to even start with, you know, that college fund or some kind of savings for the children that you already have? Well, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree was, is today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a Chinese proverb and it's just, it's something that I like to start with because I could say, well, you know, hopefully your baby was just born and you open up that savings account today and, you know, it's not going to be hard because you could just put away a little bit and it's going to grow. Compounding interest is real and you should start as early as you can. But if you haven't, you can still make financial choices that are going to build over time. Wherever you're at, accept where you're at. Forgive yourself if you feel like you're starting later than you wanted to. But get started because there is no amount too small that can help you add up. College is an incredibly expensive endeavor. Uh, Hopefully, Some things will change after our world is changing right now to make it more affordable. But the reality is uh, we have to help our kids prepare for it and understand the financial impact of it. And I think that that comes from the parent planning with the child over the course of years and making sure that the child understands what the parent support will be for college Mm -hmm. as well as the parent, you know, making conscious decisions and not thinking, hey, I'll be able to cash flow that later. Mm-hmm. You know, something I want to mention, and because we're we're talking to many moms with school-age children and stuff, we think that our earning years are going to be later on when the kids are older. And maybe that's true. But the reality is that once you hit 50, that the likelihood of having an extended job loss or a reduction in income is greater. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the old world, when employment was a little more stable, it was not as unusual to have kind of just this linear little 
path trucking along with your cash. But but today we have more volatility. And so we need to plan over a longer period of time because we can't predict our income as easily as we could in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I want people to start thinking about is maybe my time horizon, putting it off until later, isn't going to be as easy as what I think it is today. And then it's get started. Just start saving. There are different ways. You know, a 529 plan is a great savings plan. You can get them in your state or in a different state, um, but just get started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really overwhelming to think about. I mean, I remember in one of my you know, when my daughter was just born, new mom parenting classes, somebody came in and talked about the the 529. And I was like, Oh, this sounds great. And then just like, cool, just totally put that on the back burner. And every now and then we have the discussion of we want to start some kind of college fund. And you know, it just seems so overwhelming, just mm -hmm. in general. So I think just getting started. It does. And, and when I say get started, it doesn't have to be a 529 plan. So mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, we did not, the day our kids were born, start a 529. We we were like, okay, well, we know we need to learn more about them. We're going to research them, but it is a big job. And you have to have someone to talk to you about it that you have confidence in, that you trust. So, you know, first of all, having a financial advisor for that dialogue is excellent because who do you go to to have that conversation? Many people don't know about 529s and how they work as a vehicle, and they change, and they're different from state to state. Mm -hmm. So, finding a trusted trusted advisor to have on your family's team is really important for those college conversations. But in the meantime, because I'm telling you to get started right away, there are other ways to save money that don't have to be locked up in a 529 long term vehicle that's only education. So, you can look at an UTMA or an UGMA. And those are two accounts that they're, they're trust accounts that will go to your kids and it will depend on which one you use, which vehicle you use, but it may transfer ownership to the child when they turn 18. Mm -hmm. um, it may be a little bit later, but, but it's a place that you can put money that you know for a fact you want to go to your child. It will, it is, once you put it in that account, it is for the benefit of the child only. It is their money. They just can't access it until they get a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So for some people, that's an, that's an opportunity to start putting money away that maybe you don't have the, the time or the patience right now to look into a 529 plan, mm -hmm. but you do want to save for your kids. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. And then lastly, you know, I mean, yes, the world has kind of stopped, but there are plenty of people out there that are still continuing on with their family planning and bringing new children into their family. So planning for baby, you know, everybody says there's no right time. You're never going to be financially ready for a baby. How can you make sure that you are financially ready? Yeah. So, you know, the, many of the women who are listening here, they're already mothers. So they know that, you know, your life changes dramatically when you have a baby, when you have your first, at least for me, it was like, oh my gosh, what just happened, right? Mm -hmm. What I want people to realize is that when they have a child and each additional child, like it's just a magnifier, the the amount of risk goes up. And, and I don't mean risk like, oh, this is not a good idea, you know, risky things happen, but risk from a perspective of volatility. We can't predict the future as easily after we have baby number one as we could have before we had kids. Because when it was just me and my husband, right? Like we can make plans, surprises happen, but they're within like a certain range of surprise that I know kind of how to handle or I could predict what those would be. Once my daughter was born, like everything went out the window. I didn't predict any of the stuff that happened in the first three years of her life. And, and so, and that happens with each subsequent child that they're tiny humans. They come with their own preferences. They come with their own requirements and they vary from person to person. And so what I want families to do is to realize that whatever your baseline is, you need to assume that there's going to be a greater financial need than just plus one, 
we we think about okay daycare is going to cost a certain amount and we need to build that into budget and we think about diapers and wipes and things of those nature but, but we don't always think about well what if what if i have to take a lot of time off from work to take my child to the doctor mm-hmm. what am i what's going to happen at my workplace is my job flexible enough to deal with that should i should i start thinking about alternative daycares in the event that I'm not going to be able to take her to daycare, but I still need to work. I might need somebody to come into my house some days a week. So so it's really just understanding that you can't plan for everything. So to build a bigger buffer. So you mentioned kind of having money in reserves and having an emergency fund. And it's not a it's not a formula of plus one when you build that emergency fund once you have a kid or once you have more. It is building an emergency fund that is plus magnified and assuming that both your expenses are going to go up and that your income will be at risk as well because as women and as women who are trying to work and do all of the things as well as parent right now, we can see that sometimes things happen and they take us off our professional p- path at the exact moment that we need to be financially supporting our families. So that's that's kind of how I want people to think about preparing for baby is prepare that we're going to be facing challenges on both ends at the same time and then see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Really realistic, I think. I mean, that's that's great advice. Gosh, well, thank you so much. I have a whole page of notes. I'm like, this is a really informative episode. I appreciate you sharing all of your insight with us. And hopefully our listeners got some good information. And, you know, we're taking notes because there's a lot of good stuff in there today. Um, But before we let you go, um, first, we'd like to see if you had a hot mess moment to share with our listeners. I think that's our fun part of our episode that I know I always look forward to. So yeah, if you had one to share. Well, you know, the hard way to answer that, it's it's hard to answer that question. And the reason is because I am the hot mess mom. Like, <laughs> you know, you have those mom friends and you just, you're, you're talking about her with somebody else and you say, well, she just kind of is a hot mess. And I am that mom. <laughs> so to all the moms who have it together, I just want to say, welcome. Because I am setting the bar for you to show off your awesomeness. So, so that that aside, um, my kids are lovely and wonderful, and I adore them. But my son, when he was like two to three, he was an absolute handful. He was so challenging. He he had way more energy than any child I have ever seen, and we were living in Japan. And we had just just arrived not long before, and he was really just getting used to public transportation. And busy places were hard for him. So you know those little, like, backpacks with the little leash on the back? Mm-hmm. Well, we were going to Tokyo for the first time that day. Him and I, my other, my daughter and my husband, he was at work, she was at school, and we were having this big day adventure where we were going to visit another mom's house with a group of moms. And a bunch of us were taking the train together because I was super nervous and I couldn't do it by myself. So I thought it would be a good idea to put this backpack on him. And we got into the train station and my son literally flipped out, like flipped out like I've never seen before. And he and he has flipped out many places, but I'm holding the the <laughs> leash right and he's trying to pull and he's rolling on the floor and now the train has stopped and people are exiting the train and they are literally parting in a v to walk around us as i'm holding it's like when your dog is trying to go after an animal and it takes <laughs> all of your weight to hold the animal back that was me with my son and it was so hard and this was with people like I said we I, we had just gotten there not long before I didn't know them that well but you know when you're with a group of moms and you're having that really tough moment and you're like no I should just go and they're like no you shouldn't you know we can do this together we are here to support you well I said I think we need to go and they said yeah we understand <laughs> Oh no! 
so <laughs> so that is my hot mess mom moment. Oh my gosh, the visual in my head of that whole situation is so good. <laughs> it was exactly what you're imagining. <laughs> oh, I love funny. it. I have to say, I always pre-kids, because every person that's not a parent totally judges other parents, right? Like, parents, the backpack thing, I was just like, you know, that's just weird, whatever. I am surprised I don't have them for my kids, because they're so smart. Kids are just unpredictable, and it's, I mean... Yeah, well, and my son was a runner. Like, he'd hear a noise, and he'd just bolt. And he was fast, fast. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's too funny. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. So um, now we just have a fun little rapid-fire question game, if you're up for it. Right. Um, let's see. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? 10. Ariel or Jasmine? Jasmine. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. Probably <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, dawn or Dusk? Dusk. If you could travel back in time, what time period would you go to? 23 to 25. Okay. Um, do you snore? Nope. Uh, place, you most, place you most want to travel? Ooh, that's a tough one. Right now, our family would like to go to France. We promised the kids we'd take them to the Eiffel Tower. So, And we've traveled a lot in Asia. But we haven't traveled as a family in Europe. Oh, cool. Um, favorite junk food? Snickers. Favorite childhood TV show? Hmm. I don't know. No, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think, too. <laughs> cartoon. All the cartoon. <laughs> Oh, I can um, think of Rugrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite season? Autumn. Fall. Um, what was your last Halloween costume? I was Wonder Woman. Nice. Um, cake or pie? Pie. All the time. And then last, um, do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media? Sometimes, but usually more jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for playing with us. Awesome. Well, this has been so fun. I loved your hot mess moment so much. <laughs> and just all the information that you gave us, I'm just, we feel really honored to have this time with you. And I think that our listeners are going to love everything you had to say. And it's going to be really, really beneficial for so many people. So thank you for joining us. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you that you said you have your podcast? What about um, social media or, or website, anything like that? Yep. So the podcast is on all the usual places you listen to podcasts, and it's called The Money, Career, and Motherhood Podcast. My website is www.moneycareermotherhood.com. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the same, Money, Career, Motherhood. And I also have a Facebook community under the same name, Money, Career, Motherhood. So come and check it out. And we talk a little bit about the podcast. We talk about ways to make our households more efficient and money tips and hot mess moments, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. We'll definitely be checking that out. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Janice. We appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay, stay bossy. bossy.